we found that about half of all biomarkers that were reported were actually related to quality issues. This is really one of the, the things that we guess is an important topic. So we really need to be sure about the QC of our samples. And another point um, that we think can really accelerate this, this biomarker transition is to not work in two small studies. So many of the published biomarker studies are underpowered. And what we are emphasizing is really to look at larger cohorts of several thousands of samples. Welcome to the Personalized Medicine Podcast. This is the place where scientists, clinicians, and entrepreneurs discuss the progress of this rapidly developing field. I'm your host, Alexander Yahensky. Let's start. Three, two, one, and we are live. Welcome to the next episode of the Personalized Medicine Podcast. If you have been following us for some time, you know that we talk a lot about biomarkers on this show. Proteomics is one of the fields which has seen an enormous boom in terms of technological advancement over the last decades. Improvements in mass spectrometry throughput, automated sample preparation, and growing impact of AI on data analysis brought proteomics to the spotlight of precision medicine. I'm very happy to welcome on our show the expert who is driving the future of proteomics further forward, Dr. Sophia Dole. Sophia is the co-founder and chief business officer at Omic Era Diagnostics, a Munich-based startup that is leveraging mass spectrometry and AI to assess biomarkers of various human diseases. Sophia did her PhD at the Max Planck Institute for Biochemistry in Munich, where she studied translational protein biomarkers of cancer in the lab of Matthias Mann. She conducted part of her graduate research at the University of California in San Francisco and worked for Genentech, where she analyzed epigenetic and proteomic alterations in lymphoma. In 2019, Sophia co-founded Omic Era and has been serving as its chief business officer since. Sophia, thank you so much for accepting my invitation and welcome on our show. Sure, thank you very much. Um, thank you very much for the nice intro and having me on your podcast. Great. So let's start right away and let's start with your story. Can you tell us a little bit more about your PhD and postdoc research and what motivated you to start a company in the proteomics space? Sure, I'd be happy to. So my PhD was actually a real journey. So as you were just saying, I did my PhD in Munich and San Francisco at three different institutions. I started to work at the biotech company Genentech and then moved on to the University of California, San Francisco, and then went to the Max Planck Institute and Matthias Mann's lab. So you can imagine as a PhD student, this was really great. Uh, was coupled to quite some travels uh, and I also learned um, a lot and explored the interconnections between industry and academia. So this was really, really great. Um, my PhD was not only a journey because, because of the geographically locations, but also because I investigated system-wide alterations in cancer at several biological, but also cellular level using mass spectrometry-based proteomics. So 
Starting from the nucleus of the cell, I explored epigenetic changes in lymphoma and then moved out of the uh, cell, of the nucleus of the cell, to the cellular level where I analyzed phosphorylation signaling alterations in glioblastoma cell lines. And then um, I moved from more biological to translational cancer proteomics. And what I did here is I was working with um, human cancer tissues. So this was extremely exciting to me because to finally get to work with real clinical human tissue, this is something that I thought was, um, was quite exciting. And what I did here is I optimized a MS-based proteomics workflow for the rapid screening of all kinds of clinical tissue samples, enabling that way high throughput analysis of hundreds of samples with great depth. So this was a quite important step because this is exactly what you need um, in the clinic. So you need to be fast, so you need high throughput, high um, turnaround time, but also um, you need to be very reproducible. And this is what we achieved with uh, working on that um, on that um, sample preparation workflow. And with that in place, this actually brings me to, I would say, my highlight of the PhD and something that really motivated me to actually found omic error diagnostics. This is about a study where we showed for the first time that with mass spectrometry-based proteomics that remains a very complex but extremely powerful tool, that we can, with that, um, identify alternative novel therapeutic targets in end-stage cancer patient. So this was a very um, motivating sto uh, story for me, a study for me, because here together with physicians, we really were investigating, looking for these alternative treatment strategies. And it's with mass spec-based proteomics that we could actually identify an alternative treatment and manage to convince the tumor boards, but also insurances to pay for the treatment that we recommended based on our technology. So if I say this was kind of a key from bench to bed moment for me, and um, yeah, really um, excited me because I'm, I'm burning to see how MS-based proteomics can really be used for clinical relevant questions and be directly applied in a clinical context and yeah, have a direct impact. And that's exactly what we aim to do um, at Omic Era Diagnostics. So. So yeah, this is kind of my my journey through my PhD and postdoc, and that finally um, then also motivated me to start my my own company in the proteomic space. Fantastic! Uh, sounds really exciting. Um, and uh, Sophia, it would be really great if you can tell us a little bit more about uh, Omic Era, the beginnings of your company, perhaps. Who were your co-founders, how you found them, uh, and what were the first challenges that you had to overcome um, when you were establishing uh, this company and taking it off the ground? So it's during my postdoc end of PhD that I actually met my two co-founders, so Philip Geyer and Sebastian Virera Winter. We were sitting in the in the same office. Our office was called the clinical office. 
Um, and we worked extremely well together. We had a lot of fun at work. And also, we, the three of us had very different backgrounds. We kind of are very complementary. Um, so Philip, um, during our PhD, we called him king of plasma programming because he knows every protein by heart and in plasma you can find. Sebastian is, is very techy, very smart. He invented also the easy tag for multiplex um, protein quantification. And myself, I had, as I was just saying, more of a cancer proteomics background and broad industry experience. And all three of us um, during our postdocs were working on clinical relevant project and, and all shared that vision of transforming this mass spectrometry-based um, 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 technology from being a tool for specialized laboratories, as we used in our PhD and postdocs and academia, to really transform it to a powerful technology for translation of proteomics. So we really wanted to see this technology also being used in cutting-edge clinics and eventually deliver personalized treatment options, as I was just referring in, in the previous question. So together, we decided to quit our postdoc and yeah, start our own journey, our new era, and found Omic Era Diagnostics. We secured fundings from angels investors and started to look for lab space. And you were also um, yeah, referring earlier to what the main challenges were, right? Especially at the beginnings of Omic Era. And one that was quite surprisingly, but one of the biggest challenges we had was to find lab space. So at first we could only get two small rooms, about 20 square meters or so, at the um, Startup Center for Biotechnology, the IZB, which is very close to the Max Planck Institute. But obviously you can imagine that very quickly it was not enough. It became um, too small, too fast. And there the, the challenge started, right? We called many, many companies and real estate agents and and. We're never lucky. I mean, also we're in Martinsried, which is kind of a bio hub for biotechnology um, uh, in Munich. It was quite challenging. But at the end, yeah, we got lucky and, and found an, an office that um, we could completely renovate it. Our landlord was, was really nice. She was uh, super excited about the science we are doing and trusted us and really gave us this opportunity to completely rebuild, build in a new lab in this um, quite large um, space. So we have 250 square meters and room to grow. And um, yeah, I'm always looking for, for talent. So in case of someone of the listeners is interested in joining, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. Uh, We're always looking for, for great talents to join us. Fantastic. Yeah, sounds uh, such a great story. And uh, obviously, you had to overcome so many challenges just starting the company and finding the lab space. Who would think that this would be a, a big bottleneck? But it is a tricky issue. And great to see that, that, that you found some support and could actually build your own lab from scratch. I think it's, it's extremely exciting. Yes. Yeah, and for all of our proteomics experts uh, in the audience, we'll make sure to add uh, Sophia's contact details in the show notes. So make sure to check Omic Era website and uh, yeah, reach out to Sophia in case uh, you would like to join their team. Perfect. Um, Sophia, what I'm 
Brian also to understand. And uh, it would be great if you could share with our audience what exactly is that you're doing uh, with Omic Era, what type of services do you provide, and how you can accelerate the transition to discovery and uh, reliable assessment of uh, biomarkers for various diseases. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, at Omic Era, we, we aim to improve health by proteomics. We thrive to see our MS-based proteomics technology platform um, to be actually implemented in the clinic and revolutionize current medical diagnostics and basically, yes, to improve health of every individual. And what we provide um, currently at Omic Era is our MS-based proteomics technology platform as a service for the discovery of novel or more reliable biomarkers for early disease diagnosis. And as you know, over the last years, only very few novel biomarkers um, were actually approved. And most of the ones we're currently using are older than, than 20 years. And But we all know that it's really key to detect um, diseases as early as possible. So really emphasizing this urgent need to uncover new biomarker. And this is exactly what we provide at Omic Era. So with our high-end MS-based um, platform, we really want to support our clients, so which are mostly pharma biotech companies, to uncover biomarkers in clinical studies. Um, so yeah, we basically work as a CRO and, and provide this Omic Era platform. And maybe to go a bit more into detail, because you were also asking, what exactly is our service? What is our product? So what our platform is and what we offer is complete proteome analysis from sample input to data output. We work with all kinds of body fluids. So everything you can think of from plasma, CSF, urine, saliva, you name it as well as tissues. So with tissue, we work with fresh frozen tissue, but also FFPE sample. Also with very low input, such as laser capture microdissected tissues. So we have a very wide range of different sample types we can work with at Omegera. We process all samples with our automated sample preparation pipeline, measure the samples on our TimStuff Pro instrument here in-house, and after data interpretation, um, what's important to us is not only to report a list of proteins to our clients, but to really get the most out of our clients' data. So what we're aiming here is really to maximize the insight into the data. And for that, so we perform AI-based bioinformatics analysis of the samples by really integrating the information with our internal data bank. And if we also get clinical information from clients on top, this even further maximizes um, the insight of these proteomics data. So it's very important for us to try through different correlation analysis with our know-how to really kind of get the most out um, um, of the data. And this is, um, yes, what we um, provide um, to, to our clients. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, I think this back-to-back -back analysis uh, is extremely important, like given um, a lot of variability that, that can come from you know, sample handling uh, and processing and uh, measuring and then analyzing the data and just to have everything under one umbrella certainly helps. 
And uh, Sophia, I also would like to discuss this last point that you mentioned on bioinformatics analysis. I know that um, you have recently released this Omic Learn uh, platform. So perhaps you can tell our audience a little bit about what it actually is, what it can do, uh, and how it can uh, help in analyzing those uh, large data sets of proteomics data. Yes, so indeed, we we very recently released um, our Omic Learn platform. So this is a project that was led by our um, bioinformatics team, um, especially by uh, Maximilian Strauss, who some of you might also know. He is the main developer of the open source um, AlphaPEP search engine, and we are very fortunate to have him also here at Omic Era Diagnostics. And Max, together with his bioinformatics team um, just um, released this Omic Learn um, platform um, that is an open source and web-based machine learning tool. So what Omic Learn does is it uses the latest advances in the Python ML ecosystem and really helps um, scientists that are not experts in bioinformatics or machine learning to very easily um, analyze their data. So most of them are usually proteomics data, but you can upload any kind of omic data um, and allows them to use state-of-the-art machine learning algorithm for classification and for really gaining insights into their data sets without requiring any um, um, very specific programming skills. So it's very easy to follow and ready to use. As said, it is open source. So you can check it out at omiclearn.com and just um, start using it. It's very just a drag and drop system. It's 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 very easy. We usually upload, for example, MaxQuant or AlphaPAPT or any kind of other search engine um, um, output data, and then you can start to play around and, and analyze um, your data. So yeah, that's basically omiclearn that enables yeah rapid exploration of the suitability of various ML algorithms for um, your experimental data set um, of any kind of omic data set. We are doing this show for you and your feedback is very important for us. So if you have any suggestions or comments, would like us to cover a specific topic or recommend a guest, please write us an email to team at pmedcast.com. You can reach out to us on LinkedIn, Twitter or Facebook. Just type in Personalized Medicine Podcast and you will find us there. To download the show notes for this episode, visit our website, pmedcast.com. It's P-M-E-D-C-A-S-T dot The show notes include guest bios, links to their most notable work and recommendations for additional reads on the topic of the episode. Make sure to check them out. And don't miss the next episode. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Give us a rating and leave a comment. It will help us make this show better. And now, let's get back to the interview. One more point that I that I want to discuss with you, Sophia, is um, on the proteomics as a whole. You mentioned already that um, despite a lot of progress in improving mass spec throughput uh, in general, in uh, just in our understanding of, of the proteomes uh, of various tissues and plasma, for example, we still translated relatively few of potential biomarkers that are published in scientific literature into clinics. 
So in your understanding, why is that the case and what can we do to accelerate that transition? Um, yeah, sure. So as you were saying, there are um, not so many biomarkers that that, that uh, actually made it into the clinics and most of the ones we use are are quite old, so more than 20 years or so. And um, so what we've done is a literature research um, where we found that about half of all biomarkers that were reported were actually related to quality issues. So this is really one of the, the things that we guess is an important topic. So we really need to be sure about the QC of our samples um, before reporting any biomarker issues. Because we've seen in many studies that if you collect samples at different location, you might see um, important outliers, but that are just related to the way how samples are handled, or if you have, for example, hemolysis or things like that. And so to avoid that in the future, to report biomarkers that are actually just related to pre-analytical variation, we have developed panels to really always check for the quality of each sample and only report biomarkers that we are 100% sure are not related to any potential sample handling issues. And another point um, that we think can really accelerate this, this biomarker transition is to not work in two small studies. So many of the published biomarker studies are underpowered. They have two more cohorts. And what we are emphasizing is really to look at larger cohorts of several thousands of samples. This is the rectangular strategy that our co-founder, Philip Gaia, actually published in Molecular System Biology in a review um, called Revisiting Biomarker Discovery, where he really emphasizes to look in large um, um, studies instead of looking in a small cohort and then following up the targets. Uh, with a targeted approach. Here it's really about looking in large cohorts in an unbiased way, what would be potential biomarkers that seem to be specific to one disease phenotype and then validate it in a second um, larger study. So this is what we think um, could really help to accelerate um, biomarker transitions into the clinic. Perfect. Yeah, let's hope that there'll be more and more studies with significant um, N-size uh, and also with a more rigorous uh, sample preparation because that's the key, as you said, um, in terms of reproducibility and then getting the actual insights out of, out of that proteomic data. Essentially, if you look at application spectrum of proteomics, it, it has been increasing uh, over the time as well. And obviously, now in the times of COVID pandemic, that's, that's another um, uh, field, infectious diseases where proteomics is playing an important role. And I know that together with your colleagues, you have recently published a paper on the proteome trajectories in the plasma of COVID patients. So perhaps you can tell us a little bit more about, about that research and uh, which insights could you draw from your analysis there? Yes, so this was actually an exciting study. It was led by um, Philip Gaia that was just referring to, co-founder CSO of Omic Era Diagnostics. And he worked together with the uh, LMU Klinikum Großhadern, which is one of the largest hospitals um, of Bavaria. It's here in, in Munich. And in this study, uh, what we aim for is to identify proteomic changes in blood serum that would help to predict which individual 
will get really sick from COVID infections from those who will have a more milder disease progression. And this is extremely important to, to be able to, to predict as early as possible because um, you may have also heard of people having very um, severe disease progressions, but some a more milder um, disease progression. And if we could somehow predict that a bit better, this would be extremely important for better management of intensive um, care units and avoid that they get um, overfilled. So in this study, what we did is we applied our omic error technology platform to uncover biomarkers for COVID-19. And as you were just saying in the longitudinal study. So what we mean with that is it was a study where we collected at several time points from a patient over the disease progression um, blood samples. And that was really nice. So we could actually really follow the trajectories of protein change and over the course of the disease infection. And we did that for patients that were actually COVID positive, so based on the PCR test that was positive, but also um, of patients that had very similar symptoms to COVID, but were actually negative um, revealed by the PCR test. And what we found is that in about a quarter of all proteins, um, that they were changing significantly um, up in COVID infection. And while Proteins, for example, of the innate immune system decreased early in the time course. course. Um, other proteins, such as coagulation proteins and proteins of lipid homeostasis, increased quite a lot over the course of the disease. And this was very interesting to observe these protein changes during the disease infection. And what was even more interesting is that we also uncovered a potential prospective biomarker for COVID-19 um, survival. And the study we published uh, very recently is um, actually only the first part of the entire story. Um, we're working on a follow-up second study to actually validate this observation. And this second COVID serum study um, is, to our knowledge, the largest human proteomic study that will be published to date. We enroll about 3,000 patients and also have clinical information for each of the sample and are extremely excited about that because it's not always easy to get access to those um, data that are sometimes not so well documented, but they will give us so much more power in actually um, analyzing the data and really increase our insight in, in, into the biology of uh, the COVID-19 um, infection uh, reflected on the serum um, proteome. So yeah, we hope that overall we, we somehow will be able to contribute to a better understanding um, to this uh, ongoing um, pandemic. Yeah, fantastic. And it seems like there is no limit to what proteomics can do, right? Uh, it's, it's really important um, to understand, especially in, in case of COVID, why, we are, why some patients are actually not responding so severely to the disease while uh, others uh, are really suffering a lot. And uh, yeah, let's hope that proteomics can shed some light on that and will help us combating this, this dreadful pandemic. Sophia, in the end, we always like to ask the question about the future. So if you look at the field of proteomics in general, biomarkers and mass spec specifically, what are the major developments that you see happening in the next 10 years or you would like to see happen? 
and uh, how could they help us bring uh, the entire biomarker space and precision medicine forward? Yes, so there have been already so many improvements, but of course, uh, many more to come. And where I see the, the, the most developments probably coming from is on the technology side. So our mass specs are getting more and more robust, which is really essential that you have a mass spec that you do not need to clean all the time because you need continuous results over a long period of time, especially if you analyze large clinical studies. So this is very important. And we do really already see a very um, strong um, um, change. Instruments are getting more and more sensitive. Um, this is also very important. And I hope that there will be a continuous growth over the next years. Instruments are also getting smaller in size, uh, also important to be able to enter into the clinic. And uh, something that we also see and that I really hope <laughs> will happen even further over the next years is that the prices of the instrument need to decrease. Um, we've seen this in the genomics field, right? I mean, uh, 10 years ago, um, it was quite expensive to get a whole genome sequenced. Um, nowadays, it's it's very affordable and the same thing uh, will happen for for proteomics technology i also hope that in the next 10 years i mean a mass spec um, will be very affordable and all these um, technological advances um, together with um, ai and ml approaches as well as automation of the sample processing to enable higher throughput are all important developments so that proteomics ms-based proteomics will actually be able to support clinical trials and clinical decisions. So these are the improvements I really hope um, to see um, very soon. Perfect. Yeah, let's hope let's hope all of this will happen. And, and it looks like it's happening already. As you said, um, the technology is improving. And I think this parallel with genomics is, uh, is really spot on. Like if you look back at the cost of, I don't know, Illumina sequencers uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it was a completely different price range that uh, it is today. And then the cost of the sequencing of the entire genome uh, went down dramatically. And uh, yeah, let's hope the same will happen to, to um, proteomic screens of plasma, for example. Great. Sophia, you've obviously done a very interesting, many people will say very bold uh, transition from uh, science to starting your own company. Um, I guess there are a lot of scientists who are listening to this podcast also early in their career um, who are thinking about starting their own company or joining a startup, which advice would you give to those people um, from your personal experience? Should they do it and uh, why? Do it. I mean, that's probably what, what I can tell everybody. Um, it, it's really worth it. And maybe especially as a, as a woman in, in science, so to all the women scientists who might listen to that podcast, I can only say always think big take a risk and most of all, believe in yourself. Don't be shy about your thoughts and dreams. It's really worth it to pursue. And if you find the right team, which is crucial, it's very important to have a team that you can trust, that you work well together. And if you have a great vision, well then just just go for it. I mean, it, it's really worth it and, and just, just dare it. Great. So let's hope let's hope uh, a lot of people in our audience will apply it. Um, and uh, Sophia, before I let you go, can you let our audience know where can they find you online uh, in case they want to reach out to you? 
Absolutely. So yeah, please feel free to reach out directly via email. My email is doll, D-O-L-L at omegera.com or just simply write me um, via LinkedIn or you can also find us on our website, uh, omegera.com. And yeah, if um, we're always um, open for partnerships. So um, if you think that somehow whatever you're doing could be complementary to Omega Era, we're always um, very open and really believe in partnerships to bring the technology together forward. So feel free to reach out. And also if you uh, think that Omega Era is interesting and are currently looking for a new job opportunity, um, also please reach out to us. We are always looking for, uh, for talent to join um, our fun and uh, amazing team. Perfect. Sophia, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you for sharing information about your company, discussing proteomics with us. It was extremely insightful and uh, I'm sure our audience will love this episode. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure. Um, this was fun. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for being with us today on the Personalized Medicine Podcast. If you like this show and know someone who would enjoy it too, please share this podcast with them. And don't miss the next episode yourself. Subscribe to the Personalized Medicine Podcast on your favorite podcasting app. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and many, many more. Please rate us there and leave a comment. That helps us to grow and deliver the best experience to you. To access the show notes for this episode, visit our website, pmedcast.com. It's P-M-E-D-C-A-S-T dot And engage with us on social media, where we regularly share the news and exciting content on personalized medicine. You can find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook just by typing in Personalized Medicine Podcast. Or use our handle, pmedcast. And if you have any feedback or would like to suggest a guest for the show, write us an email to team at pmedcast.com. Have a great day and until next time.